0: I don't know if you've heard of the brand Curry. I hadn't heard of it until I met this dynamo lady on the set of Shark Tank, and she blew me away. I didn't even trust her brand enough to take her word on face value. I asked if she could give me a sniff of her armpit. She was in the dog business after all, and she smiled and said, sniff all you want. Now, what's not to like about a girl like that? You're gonna learn how to start a business and make it rock immediately. I want to introduce to you Sarah Moray. I can't believe I have her here in New York on my set. Wow, are we about to learn some hot stuff. So Sarah, let's get together uh, with your story. Uh, I know the story. I was fortunate enough to be sitting on Shark Tank that day and heard your whole pitch. But I know uh, you got started because you're interested in the deodorant space. Uh, Why? and how did you get it up and running? Yeah, so prior to
1: starting Curie, I worked mm-hmm. in venture capital. Like I mentioned on the show, I was basically a shark yep. <laughs> in real life. In real life, um, So I was working in venture capital. I got exposed to hundreds of companies. My job at the venture capital fund was to source new deals for them. Mm-hmm. So I was meeting with hundreds of entrepreneurs and that really kind of made me realize I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I always had ideas and business ideas, but I never thought I could actually do it. Mm. Working in venture capital, I think the best thing that I learned was that there really isn't that much of a difference between an entrepreneur and, you know, a regular
0: person. They just had an
1: idea and the guts to go out there and do it. So
0: I understand your first product was deodorant, but a special kind of deodorant. Why did you start with that product?
1: So I was learning about all the toxic ingredients. I tried to make the switch to an aluminum-free deodorant. Antiperspirant is aluminum. How it works when you use an antiperspirant is it clogs your sweat glands. Ah, That's effective. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's really the only way to prevent sweating right Mm -hmm. now is by using these tiny little aluminum salts. They clog your sweat glands and prevent you from sweating. And where the concerns are is that your sweat glands are near your breast
0: tissue. They're near Mm. your lymph nodes. That explains Um, why so many people object to it. Yes. And how do you just go from, yeah, I want a better deodorant to let me create a product. I'm now in the deodorant business. How did you make... That step happened, and how long did it take you? Yeah,
1: so I really got obsessed with this idea. I think Mm -hmm. that's how a lot of entrepreneurs I bet you get obsessed. I (laughs) was obsessed. All of my friends were like, can you stop talking about deodorant? Like, can you stop Mm -hmm. making me smell your armpits? Like, I was trying everything. I'm a marathon runner. I couldn't, I'm super active, couldn't find anything that worked for me. I became obsessed with this idea. And again, because I had that venture capital experience, I knew I could do it. I yeah. knew I could if I could just create the product, I knew how to market. I knew how to get the business off so you the ground. just had to get so the product. all I done. had to
0: do was make it. I don't think it's easy to walk into a venture capital firm and become a venture capitalist. Usually you have to have a lot of money, big bucks to invest, uh, you know, something about what you do. Did you graduate from college, walk in and become a venture capitalist? It sounds like a huge leap of experience, money and uh, credibility. So I started my career as a CPA. Uh-huh. I worked at a big four accounting
1: firm. Really didn't love it. Uh-huh. Um, very rules-oriented rules, rules oriented job, and I'm not- What
0: were you doing? A great, accounting I'm like
1: <laughs> not a great rule follower, but gave me a great foundation in uh-huh. finance and accounting. I got an entry-level um, kind of back office job at a venture uh-huh. capital fund. And this venture capital fund happened to blow up in the- first six months that I was there, wow. we had two huge exits, um, companies that we invested in and got acquired. And we, I, it was basically sky was the limit. Like I could join the investment team if I wanted to, there were just opportunities left and right. So you kind of got sucked
0: up in the growth. They said,
1: what do you I want did. to do? I did, exactly. So I got wow. in there, I was doing accounting. I didn't want to do it, but I figured I'm just going to start raising my hand, mm-hmm. showing up at pitch meetings and just show them that I can Provide value. Thank I you. understand financial statements. I can help them do diligence on investments and figure out, you know, is this company a worthwhile investment? And okay. so I started to show up, raise my hand. Like I said on the show, I would show up and they'd be like, What is Sarah from Accounting? Especially doing from the Accounting. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I just I was it. like, I'm just going to sit here. And then eventually I worked up the courage to raise my hand and then I got a full time job um, on the investment team. And then
0: how long were you doing that before you? Uh, had the thought, you know, I could do this. I could build my own business. How long did you work in that position?
1: Yeah, so I was in venture capital, uh, two different funds, for almost four years. That's long yeah, the Yeah, it was it was long enough for first of all me to get a little bit bored of it. Mm-hmm. It was it was really exciting at first, a very glamorous job, mm-hmm. but. At the end of the day, I'd, we'd make an investment, and then I'd like move on to the next one. And mm. I wasn't building anything, and I also just didn't feel like I was growing anymore. I and did you like... feel
0: your curiosity was left back with the business you just yes. analyzed? Yes, like it was a reluctance to leave. That was all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm.
1: I would make an, we would make an investment, and then I would go. the to their office every week and start helping them on strategy and thinking through you know looking through their financials and helping them figure out how they can get profitable or cut down their ad spend and that wasn't my job Hmm. my you know my partners at the the fund wanted me to be sourcing new investments but all i wanted to do was be building the companies i see that's really how i made the
0: decision i heard you say that you thought The difference between the people you're interviewing there, why you thought you were different than someone who would be good at at continuing at the fund, was that it just took courage to get started. Do you still feel that way now that you've been in business for years? Yes,
1: I definitely think the first step is having the courage, having, you know, there's one thing that every entrepreneur has in common. Mm -hmm. They aren't scared of failure.
0: Or at least you they can put so. that
1: fear aside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you have to you, you can't, can't start anything if you're scared
0: about that do you think it's really not being afraid of failure or do you think it's having confidence in your ability to succeed at failure do you think it's something you have to learn after you've been in business a while
1: i think it's i think it's both it's mm-hmm. it's not having the fear of failure i have i mean i have fear of failure mm-hmm. all the time it's just doing it anyway, and overcoming that and Mm. having the confidence and knowing that you can make it happen. And also having a risk appetite, being able Mm. to say, Hey, this might fail. You know, I might, I put my own savings. I put $12,000 into my, of my savings into Mm -hmm. starting Curie. I could have lost that. Mm. And I was willing to make that bet. Mm -hmm. And so I think having a Appetite for risk, and then also being able to just put that fear aside and do it anyway. Going on Shark Tank, I was terrified to go on Shark Tank, but I was going to do it anyway because- the
0: reward was worth the rest sure and really the worst that happens is you're embarrassed and then you go home and people say you shouldn't have done it yeah not a big deal do you find that you have that courage and a willingness to go at risk when things aren't going well surely you have bumps in the business mm-hmm. can you give me an example of a big speed bump where you decided to go ahead when you were really afraid not to do you think you had to go to your resource of not being fearful again and again? Uh, Every day, mm-hmm. honestly.
1: Every day I have to do something scary. There's always scary things. What was Shark the scary tank? Thing, Yes,
0: from the very beginning?
1: And don't I say shark say, tank. I won't Cause, say cause shark tank. We were tank.
0: friendly to you. Everybody was smiling.
1: I won't say Shark Tank. I was scared before I went on Shark Tank, but the second I walked out, yeah. the nerves went away and I felt amazing. <laughs> you thing. guys were all
0: smiling and It was the end happy. of the day. We were exhausted. We always smile when we were tired because we usually have a drink at the end of the day. <laughs> so you knew you of knew the cocktail knew. was coming. We knew we weren't far from that cocktail.
1: I think this most scared that I've been, um, and of course there's been, you know Speed bumps along the way, packaging shows up, and it's, you know, warped, and we have to send it back, and that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. But the biggest, like, the scariest thing that I've had to do and the most terrified that I've been was when I first aired on
0: QVC. Oh, really? I had no idea whether you'd sell or not? I was...
1: Terrified. Oh, I was, no. it was my first time on TV, period. That's scary. Enough. First time on live TV. It's scary more. And oh. the way QVC works is you get a shot, and they gave me a huge shot. I got That's Saturday it. morning. That wow. is the big game on QVC. Time. Prime time. Wow. My first time on air, I got Saturday morning, and they took a big shot on me. Wow. They gave me 10 minutes of prime time. And I knew that if I didn't perform, mm-hmm. my chances of being invited back were were slim. And
0: what were you trying to sell? How much product does a QVC expect you to sell in, in 10 flat minutes?
1: So you're, it, it totally depends on the the time that you go
0: on air. But that prime time, what were the But that prime, prime
1: time, they're looking for tens of thousands of dollars a minute.
0: Mm, I and mean, what did you reach? Don't tell me if it's less. I don't want to hear the bad news. Was it? Was it good? Was it bad? I will say that we sold out in wow. 10 minutes.
1: Wow. And that was way above their expectations. So you had no way product. Above. You
0: went home empty handed. Everything we, you
1: brought there got sold. We So we the first time we went on air, it was with our stick deodorant and our clay detox mask. Mm. First time on air, I prepared like crazy, I'm like sure. months of preparation. I, I was like an athlete going to the Olympics oh. level of preparation for QVC because I knew if I got this shot, I wasn't going to be the one that screwed it up if if we didn't
0: sell i didn't want it to be my fault but i think a lot of people go into qvc they feel as though they're going to be the pitch man in -hmm. essence and what happens is their professional pitch man does the pitching and a lot of entrepreneurs i've known kind of are bewildered that they didn't get a word in edgewise were you able to squeeze your words in and get your personality into the pitch i was you were yes
1: way less than i thought that is true Mm -hmm. when you go on qvc the host is really the leader. They're the yes. one that the viewer at home trusts. Yes, You're just their sidekick. You're there to provide information and add some personality and pizzazz. but you aren't products. the star. Yes. Yeah, you are not the star. And I, what's that quote? It's, uh, success is when preparation meets opportunity. Yes, That has been really how I've led the business. Like anytime I get a shot, mm-hmm. I prepare to my absolute, like, as much as I possibly can, mm-hmm. again, so that I wouldn't have any regrets. And yeah. so going into Shark Tank and QVC, I watched every bit of QVC and Shark Tank that I possibly could, mm-hmm. took notes, you know, t- took notes on what questions they ask, how the guests interact with the hosts. Like, I studied it like a science. Mm-hmm. So going in, I wasn't surprised. I was ready and I had short sound bites planned because I knew I wasn't going to get to wax poetic about my product for two minutes at a time. I was going to yes. be like, boop, boop. So I had my four sound bites that I Good 100% needed to say. And then everything else was just, you know, from there I didn't have to stress wow. about it.
0: It might be of interest to you that my five most successful businesses all prepared for Shark Tank the exact way you did. Really? They role played when they had a partnership, yep. went back and forth, answering the questions, attacking each other. And when they got on the set, uh, I really remember at the time thinking, boy, are they comfortable. I later yeah. learned how well they had prepared. But it's not common. I have to say in all the businesses I've dealt nice. with after Shark Tank, very few prepare that way. They prepare their pitch, but that's about it. It's like a surface that preparation. shocking to yeah, me. Isn't it? Foolish shocking. as well, I think. Because yeah. I think the pitch is the easy part. You yes. just
1: you go out there not you do a your people. pitch. Yeah. The Q&A to me was going to be you know that's where i allocated most of my preparation yes was coming up with every question role playing yes. having an answer for everything yes and then thinking about what what's the next question going to be what's the next question going to be and so i
0: that's shocking to me because that did you the notice when you was... watch yourself on shark Tank? did you happen to pick up the fact that you never stopped smiling like you're totally comfortable nothing was upsetting you you're smiling the whole time that was amazing to me
1: I didn't Very notice only. that. Always. And I You never let that, that smile
0: lose your face. And of course, a good, solid smile says, I'm confident. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sweating. How did you probably <laughs> have to prepare so well? You probably just could have practiced your smile
1: a few times. Well, you know <laughs> what? I think also I didn't over-prepare huh. because I was a standby company. Be leading, explain
0: for the listeners what standby means. You were chosen. Yeah. Wait, first let me back up the wheel yeah. a little bit. First, you applied to Shark Tank. You weren't accepted. Yes. Then did you go back and apply a second time, or did you just get a call saying we want you as a standby? So I applied to Shark Tank in 2020.
1: Mm-hmm. Didn't get accepted. Um, the casting. Producer. Did they tell
0: you you didn't get accepted and why? I'm actually even curious they, as a shark what happens there.
1: Yeah, they didn't tell me why. They um, they're. I mean, they evaluate so many companies. They're not going to give you one-on-one feedback to every single company. So mm-hmm. they just said, you know, not a good fit for this season, but we encourage you to
0: apply again. Oh, they did. In the future, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I did. What if they say that to everybody? Sounds like a great Dear John letter, right? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Just, you know. But either way you fell for it.
1: Yes, I did. I did. And I listened and I, it was on my calendar, mm-hmm. February, 2021 going to reapply to Shark Tank. And you put the whole packaging
0: all over again like you started. You
1: didn't call that producer back and say, I'm back. Nope. I restarted. I submitted on the website just as I had before brand new video. Of course, the business had grown. So I'm happy that, yes. we, that we waited. It was a totally different business if we had gone on in 2020.
0: I'm probably and more appealing so, to the Shark Tank producers. Much imagine.
1: more appealing, much more interesting. I also had just gotten better at storytelling. I had that QVC experience under my belt. Mm-hmm. I had... Two years of the business under my belt. And so I think I told a more compelling story of in this application. Mm-hmm. And so I went on, um, I applied, submitted my video, got a call back, learned that I got on the show. And then um, what ended up happening is I became a standby company.
0: And did so what did you know the- that from the beginning? I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, we want you on the show. We're eager to meet you. And when can you come? Something else quite different, say, hey, you've been accepted, but you're a standby. It was, Did you know what that meant at the time? It's usually the kiss of death on Shark Tank, and usually we never get to the standbys. Yes, I've heard that. Yes, and yes, so yes.
1: they told me that I was going to be a local standby because I'm based well, in Los local Angeles. Local I'm, I'm raised based, up or
0: raise down? I
1: don't Demotio. know. I don't know what the... I'm trying oh. not to look too deep into it. Okay. I'm just lucky I got on the show. They told me, you're Los Angeles-based. I, I live 15 minutes from the studio. Oh. So they said we will call you um you know prepare as though you're going on the show for a specific day no they give you a window so uh, they give you the tape window and they say we will call you if there's time if there's extra time and so you'll over be on a list. series of
0: days or weeks it's
1: week. it's yeah. kind of like being the understudy in a play yes it is you pop in if there's an opportunity yeah. so but there's no guarantees i know a lot of
0: people who became stars as understudies
1: have you Ever invested
0: in a company that was a standby, yeah. except for us? Never. Oh my gosh. No, I had to That's actually ridiculous. think about that that day. Yeah. But I, yet I felt it was a lucky sign when you said you were a standby. Yeah. And I felt it was also a lucky sign that you got the call so last minute and what you did with the opportunity. Tell us about that.
1: So I was given a window, mm-hmm. um, the, the tape window is almost two weeks. So I was ready. Stand I was by your phone for
0: two weeks, please stand
1: yeah. by. Yeah. I didn't plan any Don't trips. Any I was in town, but I also couldn't put my life on hold. So I was living my life, but, you know, keeping in mind that there was an opportunity every day that I could potentially be called in to do mm-hmm. Shark Tank. And so as the tape window goes by, I can't remember exactly. I think it was 10 days in um, I went for a hike and went for a hike on a Sunday with my fiance and some friends. We went to Griffith Park, which is 40 minutes from Santa Monica, from my home. We were at the top of Griffith Park. I have photos with like a timestamp because um, so many people have DM'd me and emailed me asking about this story. And so I've told it about a hundred <laughs> times why now. I I like to and it so we were at the top of Griffith Observatory and I looked down at my phone because it had been in my pocket the whole time. And I have Three missed calls and a text message from a producer at Shark Tank. Whoa, whoa!
0: Did you know it was a missed call from a producer? Yeah, yeah. I had
1: it? I had her number saved. So we all time. get so
0: many calls from people we don't know. Yeah, that we tend to ignore. Exactly. You,
1: you felt. Good I had her na- I had her number saved because yes. we had been good obviously you. working together uh-huh. for months, preparing. So I got a missed call. Three missed calls and a text message. Call me, and I honestly I can't even explain the feelings. You said to I yourself, knew. "I need a good deodorant." About now, <laughs> I just was like. Of all days, I have been ready to go for 10 days now. And the one day that I decided, you know, I, I hadn't showered that morning. I had just done a long hike on a 90 degree day up a mountain covered in dirt. Of all days, now I get the call, of course. Like fate, that, that always happens. So I call her back, hey, Sarah, can you be, we have a spot for you. You can be the last um, company to pitch today, but you have to be here in two hours. And she, at this point, it's two o'clock. She told me you have to be here by four, and we were at the top of a mountain.
0: <laughs> so we flew down. You weren't taking a car cruise. you were on foot, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. Like I was like, can we get a helicopter
1: up here? Like I, LA traffic. Who know? Who knows? It was a beautiful Sunday, um, but my lovely fiance was like, we'll make it work. We'll make yes. it work. Just say yes. Say yes, Sarah. Like. Do not, do not lose this opportunity. Good thing he wasn't
0: a husband after five years. He'd say, it's your problem, honey, not mine.
1: <laughs> He's like, I'm staying. No. So um, we flew down the mountain, ran down, got into the car. He, you know, drove in the carpool lane, probably 95 miles an hour, um, dropped me off at home. I got ready in 20 minutes. I just curled my hair used some dry shampoo, um, you know, got some of the dirt off me, used some of our deodorant spray. And then he went and got all the fresh um, flowers and fruit that I needed for my set. Ah, He went to Whole Foods, got all that. I thought of that. And then picked me up. Um, I practiced the pitch once in the car. I hadn't practiced in a couple days. You owned it, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, I could still recite it in my sleep. But um, we got in the car got dropped off. I think we got dropped off at the gate at like
0: 4.05. And so. what happened? And when you get dropped off at the gate, they pushed you into the set. You walk through the big alley with the shark's swimming and you were standing there talking to us? Or did you have an hour to collect yourself, practice your pitch? I had some time. Together? I
1: wouldn't say I had time to collect myself because <laughs> I got dropped at the gate, got picked up, Took a COVID test. Um, Once I passed the COVID test, went straight to my trailer. Had to change. Then I had to get hair and makeup touch up. So it was like, it wasn't calm and relaxing. And there was no time to practice. I just. Just as well. It kept energy high. I was. It happened in hindsight. It was the
0: best possible thing that could have happened for me. Because
1: I thrive on that adrenaline.
0: I also, I'm going to tell that. you from my side of the sea, I was watching you, and when you walked in, I can distinctly remember, you walked in with the energy that people usually take 10 minutes to build up into you walked in like a, almost, I was I almost would say out of breath I'm sure I'm yes. exaggerating but oh I probably that was, was a sense of urgency you're rushing through the tunnel and you're you're there you have something to say and so just from the energy I was already excited as were the other sharks
1: yeah I I, I had the energy of a thousand suns walking into the shark tank <laughs> I because I had just been through two hours of just adrenaline pumping so I didn't have one second to get nervous I was just you know I I was like I said I was a little jittery walking in because it was it was like oh my gosh this is happening we're here I'm going in that's it they they didn't have 20 minutes later
0: no sharks are interested what were you thinking not a single shark we were saying our goodbyes thank you dear for coming that kind of niceties that we extend to everyone who loses (laughs) you're about ready to go out the door what made you think of telling us the story about running down the mountain so we were at the at that point
1: damon i had an offer with damon
0: oh i thought he had gone out already so
1: i had an offer from damon everyone Mm -hmm. else had gone out you had gone out mark Um, Lori everyone had gone out um, except for Damon Mm -hmm. so I knew okay this isn't a good negotiation you you never want to have just one because then you don't really have much leverage so he gave me an offer that I was not it was not what I wanted Mm -hmm. way more equity than I wanted to give up And so I started to negotiate with him, and I kind of could feel he wasn't going to budge. Like, immediately, I was like, it doesn't feel like he's
0: going to budge. That's statement style, too.
1: Yes. (laughs) So I knew he wasn't going to budge, but I knew I could see you guys out of the corner of my eye. And I knew that I – and I've watched enough Shark Tank to know that it's never too late. You can – Always like you can be walking out the door and they can a shark can come back in. So I was like, what would be really impressive right now to show that I have more hustle than any entrepreneur that's been on this carpet? And I was in that moment. I wasn't planning to share the story going into the Shark Tank. I didn't think I was going to share that story. And honestly, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to. I was like, are we allowed to share behind the scenes? So I wasn't planning on it. And then I, in that moment was like, I'm gonna share this story and I think it's gonna impress them. And so I started to share it thinking, okay, maybe this will impress Damon. And then I could see you and Mark out of the corner of my eye talking. Starting to talk. Yes. And I was like, (laughs) Keep going, Sarah. Keep going. So I just, <laughs> just keep talking. Keep, keep talking. going. I'm talking about you know starting it with twelve thousand dollars of my savings and running it through a pandemic and launching a hand sanitizer when our deodorant sales were declining because of COVID and all the impressive things. Just throwing them all out there, yeah. hoping that it would.
0: But it was bring honestly uh, when Mark and I were talking privately to the side, what was impressing us was that we thought and we we I guess we heard what we wanted to hear. I frankly didn't know this moment that you drove to the bottom of the mountain. I thought you jumped from the top of the mountain right into the sony set <laughs> and i and i'm quite sure mark got that same impression we were like wow that's hustle we just kept saying wow that's hustle <laughs> good thing we we didn't know you were in a car <laughs> jo- i'm but I jogged, yeah. off a mountain and yeah we jumped right into the set oh here oh here we just love that straight. well who cares you got the deal i basically did yeah. but no i was you're, i had a little bit close of a heart the ride. deal you're a closer
1: Yes. And so I saw you guys out of the corner of my eye, and I was, I kept going, kept going. And when you guys came back in, I was, yeah, I was so happy. And
0: we are amazing. So let me share with people who are listening your spectacular numbers. Uh, in the first year, and correct me if I'm off here, you had 125000 in sales, in the second year $700,000, this is, remember this is a new business, third year $1.3 million last year, and during that time, I should mention, you raised a million dollars. What I'm curious with those sales numbers, what did you really need that amount of money for? Yeah, so. Coming from
1: venture capital, I know I I had a plan. I was like, I'm gonna bootstrap. I'm gonna start this on my own savings and just see if there's something there. And your savings were enough to get
0: it up off the ground.
1: Yeah, $12,000. I sold a bunch of my stock Mm -hmm. and Started that all went into our production, so right. I didn't have any money for anything. I designed our packaging myself. I designed our website myself. I did everything, shipped every order from my apartment, mm-hmm. Um and that was the first year. And, and at so, that
0: time, it was only one deodorant product. One right deodorant,
1: one scent. Our white tea stick deodorant was our only product at the time, right.
0: and it was and you just had me. designs to to create a lot of other deodorants and other products? Or at the time you were thinking, this is my baby, this is what I want to do? At the time, I didn't really think about. Mm.
1: I, 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 of course, with my background, you'd expect I had a whole business mm. plan, but I started with the deodorant and was like, let's just try this as a kind of a side hustle. Mm. I had my full-time job still. It was felt very low risk. $12,000 is a lot of money, but you know what, if it doesn't work out, it was a huge learning thing. It'll always be something that I can use can on my resume. You could be a venture capitalist again. I could be Not a venture capitalist. Yeah. I could be a founder, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't see there was, a, the reward was worth the risk. Again, with that risk reward, I was willing to take that big risk. And I also wasn't quitting my job. So mm-hmm. that felt like it was de-risking it a bit. Mm-hmm. And
0: starting it, I just wanted to get it off the ground and see if there was something there. On Shark Tank night, I know you de sold out overnight. You mm-hmm. sold them out. Did that give you a pause for thought and make you wonder, wait, why do I have these other products if only the deodorant sold out? I always wondered as, about that as well. Yes.
1: So we yeah. started with the stick deodorant. Mm-hmm. That was when we were bootstrapped. Yeah. We did raise money. We raised about a million dollars. That was for product development, You know, launching our other products, which mm-hmm. I'll get into. And then also taking what I call big swings like QVC. like. You know our partnership with soul cycle these big opportunities that required some upfront investment and capital for not only inventory but also team and all the other things at mm-hmm. that point it, i was just it was a one-woman show yes and so that was why we decided to raise shortly after is when we started to launch other products first was our aluminum free spray deodorant which is our number one best-selling product now mm-hmm. um our hydrating hand sanitizer which that came during COVID um, deodorant oh, sales. And well
0: needed and well timed.
1: Fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Deodorant, no one was buying it. Really? during lockdown mm, so we launched that, that as mm. a way to save the business Good and it you. worked i didn't know that that was why we shot up from 125 to 700 mm-hmm. um launch, launched the hand sanitizer in a time when people really needed it wow and um, didn't that give you
0: pause for concern the following year that it might be a covid based business and that it might drop
1: i will tell you the truth it, mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. it is hand sanitizer Saved us in 2020, and now it is less than five percent of the business. Wow! And then what happened after
0: 2020, though, that you were able to maintain the
1: sales and grow them? So, it, we acquired a lot of new customers during mm-hmm. 2020, a lot, um, and really grew our reach. Mm-hmm. We were not a household name at all. So, before wasn't that, we
0: developed a new product to replace that hand sanitizer. Is that you just had more we people just, to sell to? Yes, we wow. had a huge customer base, and really, the the
1: the brand Curie mm-hmm. is our. The whole experience is based around scent, mm-hmm. and so when people bought the hand sanitizer, they're like, "Wow, this orange and rolly hand sanitizer!" It doesn't smell anything like a sanitizer. In fact, I, I
0: was doubtful it even cleaned my hands. It smells so good. I thought so... I'd spray it in my mouth and get a great taste. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 it smells so, so good, like it
1: doesn't so, feel like soap. Yeah. So people came for the hand sanitizer, they stayed for the scents, and yes. they continued to buy our other products. And they're still; those customers are still with us today. Mm-hmm. But the hand sanitizer sanitizer Was a flash in the pan. It is a really small percentage of our sales now. Deodorant
0: is the bread and butter of the so business. So the deodorant went back. In other words, we left did. the deodorant during COVID, got the hand sanitizer, and then the deodorant started selling again. Exactly. And
1: another interesting thing that happened with the hand sanitizer is it got us into retail. We were not in any retailers. Ah, it got us into
0: walk-in every Nordstrom,
1: Ooh. every Bloomingdale's, every Anthropology. Ah because it was a product again that was really different at the time so it got us in the door and now all those retailers carry our whole product or all of our deodorant products they and
0: sold through and they had no concern about that whatsoever exactly
1: so it got us in the door and we're still in the door because The hand sanitizer got
0: us in there, and the deodorant has kept us in there. If I said to any young entrepreneur, you want to be in SoulCycle at Equinox, they would say, are you kidding me? How did you get in there? I mean, it's a big door to break through. How did you make your pitch? Was it you? Did you have a team go in there? Did you write to them? And what was the pitch you used? I want to share that because so many people really want that.
1: This is a funny story that I think you'll appreciate. Mm -hmm. I met with SoulCycle way before we had our spray deodorant, way before we could even Support Sell them, them and met with them. Uh, heard, I Heard I can't remember who the team member was, but she wasn't on the operations team. But she told me the operations team is looking for a aluminum free spray deodorant. You
0: came just like that. She almost told me. gave me an order. She was you a, so
1: she was a customer. So yes. she had used our stick deodorant, loved it, thought the mm-hmm. fragrance was amazing, and was like, you know, our operations team is looking for an aluminum free spray deodorant. Right now wow. we have some antiperspirant. Would you guys ever do a spray? And I was like, as a matter of fact, we're working on one. Why not? Yes, we're working on one right now. We'll get you over. samples soon. And then I like run out of the meeting, and I'm like, hey, you guys, we need to make a spray deodorant. Why not? And so we we it was it was pretty easy because we had already had we basically used a lot of the active ingredients from our stick in the we spray package. We made new the package labels, yes,
0: pricing—not so easy. Not saying it was easy. Not so easy.
1: We managed to do it in eight months, which for a new product in skincare, you know, you have to make sure there's safety and, and all that. You had to pretty wait quick.
0: those eight months before you could take that order. You had the order, knew you were going to fulfill it in eight months. Which way? Which way did it go? This is another funny story. So we, I bet you have one. With we every
1: time needed it. Yeah, sooner than eight months. And yes. really the reason for the delay was filling individual bottles is uh, lab- very labored. intensive. You do that by hand? It's no, mm. our, our uh, lab yes. has machines that do it, but you have to get line time. And you can't uh. just get line time tomorrow. It mm-hmm. You get on the schedule, sometimes it's months out. Mm-hmm. And so, but I wanted this in the studios ASAP. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to lose the opportunity. So, and we were going to do a pilot with SoulCycle to make sure their riders liked it first. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to get those units. We only needed 300 for this that's pilot. So, my if you s- don't have
0: 300, that's 300 short. Sure.
1: My sister and I ended up pouring 300 <laughs> bottles ourselves in Good her for kitchen. You. And labeling by hand all three hundred. Wow. We had hairnets on. I have photos. We have <laughs> hair nets. We had gloves and we filled them all all three hundred ourselves, shipped wow. them to SoulCycle. It was a huge hit. Every all the riders loved the product.
0: And then, then we ended what up I said, Hey, we uh, we want ten million. By then we
1: were ready. By then we were ready to go. Um, and
0: so said, I'll meet you in the kitchen.
1: She would have killed me. She would have killed me. She could not smell our orange Neroli because our orange Neroli scent is what's in Soul Cycle. She couldn't smell our orange Neroli scent for months after that Lovely. because it was like, she's like, I swear it's like stuck in my nose forever because yeah. of that two days that we spent bottling spray deodorant. So that's how we got into Soul Cycle. But our other studios, it's a lot of cold outreach. And I've been really, so like, cold call. They reached out to us because wow. they're um, they they are affiliated with Soul Cycle. and see. so someone She's has like seen cousins. it. But we've gotten in several other studios and just for people listening, don't underestimate the power of a well-written cold email. Um, how we've gotten really? in a lot of our studios and a lot of our retailers, including Nord- Nordstrom, mm-hmm. was I would go in, and I still do, go into the studios or go into the retailers Take a picture. This is, I'm sharing some. This is great stuff. Keep it coming. Uh, So I'd go into the studio or into the retailer, take a picture of what they currently have, attach that into the email and say, hi, studio, you know, Barry's Bootcamp. Your spray deodorant is, do you know that your spray deodorant contains antiperspirant? and that it also create and also contains this chemical, this chemical, I mean, and this you chemical. You in
0: bad mouth to a
1: competitor without even being no, I mean, I'm giving an example of, I would read. this is an email I'd write to berries. Yeah, that's, that's and pretty And send powerful. it to them. Yes, and yeah. say, hey. Your stuff is crap. The Take stuff you instead. have is crap. Your your customers are paying a premium for a premium experience. Let's mm. give them a premium product. Good for you. And, and you it send works. a
0: picture of your product?
1: Yes, of course. I of course. attach a, pretty, a the right line sheet. The right lighting. Yeah. Definitely take the time to yep. make it polished, yep. you know, a nice little PDF, well-designed. And did you compete with the
0: price? Did you check the price of the other competitor and try to match it, or do you have no regard for that and just say, listen, mine's better? We have no regard for that mm-hmm. because these,
1: you, you get
0: what you pay for. Mm-hmm.
1: Y- if you want some cheap antiperspirant, Um, aerosol spray, you can get that probably wholesale for a dollar. Our products are high quality. We don't use aerosol bottles. They're not good for the environment. And also when you're in a studio, you don't want to be like, yeah, getting it, inhaling it. Mm -hmm. So we have a premium product, quality ingredients, a better experience for your customers and a recognizable brand that they're going to be excited about. And you're going to probably
0: pay extra for that. Does that actually happen? Have you been able to track whether that delivers to you a lot of new customers?
1: Yes, we have. Mm-hmm. It's it's still early because we signed that deal with SoulCycle and then COVID happened. So we have a ah, whole pandemic between oh my gosh, I signing the deal. We wow. signed the deal. I Honestly, we were supposed to launch with them, I think in April
0: of 2020. Mm-hmm. So that got delayed. Um, we finally but did- Did you already manufacture the product and exhaust your cash, making it and holding the product? We did. It? Oh God.
1: But silver <laughs> lining is it forced us. We had to sell through that. We couldn't just sit on all that inventory oh. and it forced us to really focus all of our marketing efforts on selling our spray deodorant. I and see. it made our, by the time we did launch with soul cycle, our spray deodorant was already our top selling product because wow. we would we had to.
0: We had to move that inventory. And when did so, you launch with them eventually?
1: We ended up launching with them right around um Thanksgiving of last year.
0: So, so it took almost two, two and a half years. Yeah. It wow. took
1: a while, finally right. launched with them. We're about to launch with Equinox in a couple of weeks. <laughs> and the way that we're converting those those testers, I, I call it amenity marketing. It's an opportunity to sample as an amenity. It's free to use in the studio. Oh, so you provide that free of charge. We get paid by the studios. Oh, they see. pay for the product, but the the studio members don't have to pay for it. Oh, it's course. just a. An you get paid for the
0: product. Exactly. Thank God. I was we don't tell you to change that.
1: Yeah, we do. We get paid for it. Um, we're not, you know, it's not big money maker. Of course, we're barely covering our costs with it. But the idea is, it's marketing. If we're in these studios that the customers love, they trust, they're using the product, they love it, and then we put a QR code mm-hmm. on the bottle so that they can scan it
0: and purchase the product if they want to. I'm gonna change lanes for a minute because I think. That you're in an unusual seat where you were a venture capitalist so you made a business of investing other people's businesses sizing them up and thinking yay nay let's go let's stay and invest a lot of money or no money at all so that's a lot of decisions to be made Mm you were in that seat you're doing that for two years and then you decide you go you're going to be a young entrepreneur asking for money Uh, did you find that you were the best pitcher ever to hit the floor Pitching for the money from the investors, or did you feel confused sitting in that other seat and you had no advantage over anybody else? And then what? Uh, I'm sorry, I'll add to that. And what do you think is the single most important thing in the investors' mind when they're listening to any pitch? If there's one single thing. So to answer your first
1: question, I the people that I raised from, I had existing relationships with, so that was where my advantage was, is that I had a network, yep. and so I knew who to call who I wanted involved. And so that made it easier for me. I haven't had yet, mm-hmm. I haven't gone out and raised from you know cold to new investors. So I can't mm-hmm. say whether I'm a super, you super to. pitcher. Yep. Yeah, but that I will admit I had an advantage in knowing them first. Mm-hmm. Um, but then this to answer your second question, the single most important thing, I think when you're pitching investors is thinking about the big picture Mm -hmm. and i think that's something i see how far you can go
0: i think sales numbers or what's the big picture if
1: you're if you're raising money Mm -hmm. equity that means that investor whether it's a vc or an angel investor they are betting on this being a huge outcome for them either an ipo or an acquisition so you need to focus on not what you're doing right now not short term Mm -hmm. here's what we're doing And here's how huge it could be. So an example for us is, you know, we're right now we're a deodorant company. What could we be in 10 years or five years from now? We're right now this deodorant company. Mm -hmm. Five years from now, we could be a household name, like a a generational personal care brand that is on every person's countertop in this Mm -hmm. country. You know, like that is the big picture Mm -hmm. that you need to be prepared to sell. And you have to believe it. Right. And then go sell it,
0: but you don't have to prove it of sorts with projections that, of course, never really make any sense at the end. It's guesswork. Uh, but how do you convince an investor to believe in your big picture? Is it pure dollars and cents convincing them with that, or what is it that gets them turned on? They say, yeah. "I'm going to do it. I just have a feeling." Or do yeah. they say the numbers make such good sense that I really believe the numbers? I mean, I don't really think it's about the numbers. Anymore. I think, it,
1: especially at the early stage, those yeah. numbers, like you said, it's you can put a, you Wild can put projection, projections projections yeah. together, but who knows what's yeah. going to happen. Um, I, I think, and I'm sure you would agree with this because I've seen you say this many times on the show that it's about the the entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. It's it's believing in the entrepreneur. Was that especially you as
0: stage. a investor yourself before you went into business? Were you there trying to shop entrepreneurs? Was that your it was position that you always took?
1: It was for us. It was, and this was just the fund that I was at. Their their model was really focusing. I would say fifty fifty on the entrepreneur. What mm-hmm. is their Special thing that they have, mm-hmm. why them, mm-hmm. and then the market. So I spent a lot of my time, um, and this is, I think, how a lot of VCs operate, is I spent a ton of time doing market research and mm-hmm. finding markets mm-hmm. that we wanted to invest in, whether let's say, for example, one of those was trucking. That was logistics, you know, mm-hmm. the trucking industry. We would do tons I think of research. Every
0: trucker needs this darling little truck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Every trucker needs deodorant, especially our spray I deodorant. Tiny, really pretty spray deodorant. Every trucker should have a spray deodorant because if you don't have access to a shower, Ah, spritz, spritz.
0: I think they want a man on or something like
1: that <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a special trucker line but um so yeah we would focus on a market and then learn the market and then find entrepreneurs in that market that were the right fit um, so it was I market see. and entrepreneur I see mm-hmm. and founder mm-hmm. okay
0: I've just never met anyone who sat on both sides of that i've only been Mm. on the investment well that's not true i built a business and i'm on the other side but not like sequentially like that yeah it is
1: interesting it has been an interesting kind of sequence because i also wasn't a i wasn't a check writer so i was a associate my job was really just to source and do research and do Ah, memos and write-ups and then ultimately the partners would make the decision so you, you did a lot of research yep
0: um, what would your advice be to an entrepreneur who doesn't have access uh, to a group of investors, but wants to get access? What's the best way for them to break in and be heard? It, are you asking about uh, for investors yes, to find for investors? investors? Back to what I
1: was saying, I cold emails like do not really? underestimate the power of a really well written cold email. And
0: what are the elements of that well written cold email?
1: I I mean, I've gotten, we've gotten, most of our retailers were
0: Just the product, a product cold, of a cold email. How do you
1: know who to send it to? You? So LinkedIn, LinkedIn's uh, your friend, and find the reliable. person. This is how, for example, I found my way into Nordstrom. Mm-hmm. I went on LinkedIn, found who the buyer was, then there's this website called Rocket Reach where you can find anyone's email address. I bet yours <laughs> It's You can find any person's email address. It's called Rocket Reach. Rocket Reach. We want to know? I would find. I look up my old husband. <laughs> <laughs> I would find their email address. And then sometimes I'd have to guess. And so I'd do like five different options of like first no name, last him. name, yeah. last name, first name, first name only. Send it to all of them. Mm-hmm. And then really the cold, the cold email, um, the subject line is so
0: I was just important. going to say, what's the subject line? Yeah. I think the subject line is as important on email as a book title is to selling a book. So important. You must have had a so certain subject line that was dynamite. Please give it to
1: us. I spend more time on the subject line than I do on the, the body I of the email. Bet. Like the subject line is so important. Um, one so tip one with, one tip is using special characters, so you know colons, question marks, exclamation points, like anything that kind of stands out a in little bit in the bad. subject line. In the subject line, I'm not afraid of looking foolish now. A few exclamation oh my lines, gosh, smiley faces. My subject lines are some right, like downright embarrassing. Sometimes really? they are, so they curious. are, they have smiley faces, they have exclamation marks. It's just to See, catch you your can attention. Approach, really. Yes. So Just what to catch would you say in the attention. words?
0: So you wouldn't set a series of smiley faces. But no. What would your words be to hook someone in?
1: A lot of times if it's a buyer or mm-hmm. someone specific I'm trying to get their or let's say a journalist, yes. when we're doing, you know, PR outreach that I'm trying to get their attention, mm-hmm. I try to put their name in it. Oh, so in that, that's that's a tip. So if I was that's writing to Barbara, tip.
0: I would say, like Barbara, Barbara. Barbara new um, brand for you. It would almost feel startling if I saw my name yeah. coming from the outside in the subject line. Yeah, you'd be like... So it's clever, like, because, what, what, oh, do they know me? Because you also have yeah. to
1: think about these people, are, and everyone gets so many emails. Like, we get so many emails, and I just assume, as I'm going through my inbox, I assume so many of those are just Don't marketing me.
0: emails
1: or... So you put
0: your little symbols junk. in there and make it different, and you... Uh, smart enough to put the uh, receiver's name in the subject line. Put their name; it'll catch their What do their you eye. say after you get their name in there? What's a a good example? So, an example.
1: I'll just remember, like from a retailer. This is gold, by the way, to. for people listening. I mean that. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm passionate about subject lines. Yes. So, <laughs> so sure as an example for a retailer, mm-hmm. I think recently I used um, great, yeah. "Hi." I I don't know if I said "Hi." F- I think I said "For mm-hmm. Rebecca." Mm -hmm. new indie brand for you because I knew that she was really focused on bringing new indie brands into that retailer and how did you find that out? and I think I
0: did a a question mark at the end yeah how did you know she was passionate about indie brands? I spearhead like that.
1: I yeah. think that someone had mentioned that to me. Uh, I have a great network of founders mm-hmm. and we all talk and we all swap information. Mm-hmm. And so that particular buyer, um, I'm not naming who, cause we haven't gotten in yet, yep. but that particular buyer, I had spoken to another entrepreneur that told me, Oh, you should reach out to this person at that retailer because she's really focused on bringing new indie indie beauty brands and personal Uh. care brands into the retailer so then i went to linkedin found her rocket reach found her email address emailed her for rebecca new indie beauty brand for you question mark and it caught her eye and i have a call with her in
0: two weeks did you include photography of your product yes email
1: i usually do um if you this is another very specific tip but if you put Images in the body of the email Sometimes Mm. it gets um, Flagged as spam Mm. So I usually do a link to a deck Like I'll put a deck together A short three page PowerPoint uh, PDF Always do it by link I always do by link so wow. that it doesn't go to their the spam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you if you attach anything, you run the risk of going to spam. So I use
0: um, like just Google Drive, or you can use DocSend. How'd you learn all those little tricks? Those tricks make the difference of getting into a place to get a shot or not. It really does. It's just How'd been learning make... on the go. Like I, what works? I've app. learned what's wor- You know, what
1: a three hustler. years ago, hmm. my emails were probably terrible, yes. <laughs> but I've learned what works. I've observed you know again i've talked to people who have had success and learned and honed in on what exactly mm. i need to do the deck for example is something i didn't realize until someone told me hey you should put together a short deck mm. so they you can answer all their upfront questions yes, and make push. it beautiful so they're like this brand gets it they're yes. going to take this seriously yes. so that's how we do it and then we do the the link the great thing about the link also is you can tell if they've clicked it so oh, then you yes, can see, right. okay, they opened it three days ago. I'm gonna follow up.
0: Oh, and you, you had uh, no bones about you, just following up three days later?
1: Oh, and that is my biggest tip. Like, do not be afraid to follow up. So because you hear nothing,
0: you don't ever make the never assumption that they're not interested. How often would you follow up and how frequently before you get a, someone's attention? I mean, what's considered rude? Where do you cross the line? Is there a line? So if someone doesn't answer me, period, mm-hmm. I usually only follow up like two times. So and after if, that, it's dead in the water.
1: Yeah. If, I think so. Three times is enough. Uh, yeah. You don't want to annoy them and mm-hmm. burn a bridge. So if they don't respond, I assume, okay, maybe they're busy. Um, mm-hmm. Let's bump it to their inbox. I respond once and then I'll respond one more time. If I don't hear back, I kind of drop
0: it. How many accounts or interests have you gotten from every, let's say you've sent out 10 emails. Uh-huh. Does one in 10 respond typically? I mean, is that your expectation? Well, first out of the gate, you have, Five out of ten respond. Most of them respond. Wow, I would say amazing. Well, and but not yeah. saying yes.
1: Yeah, uh, most of them responding. will respond. That's a communication. Mm-hmm. It's a
0: conversation. Mm-hmm. Even if they say no, thank you. You still I would go say, back again? I would
1: say thirty I 30% is no response at all. So about seventy percent respond.
0: Amazing.
1: Seventy percent respond and then sometimes it's a no. I would say half the time it's a no mm-hmm. um, sometimes it's, it's a She's let's hop on the call on mm-hmm. a call and then maybe it's a yes or no from there so it's not always a slam dunk yes but we do get I do hear back a lot um, and another thing is if I hear no so if I reach out to a buyer specifically if this is for retail or even for jobs if, mm-hmm. if anyone listening is applying to trying to apply at their dream company if I hear no I that is never my last email. Mm-hmm. Like, if they say, hey, this isn't a great fit for us right now, mm-hmm. um, thank you so much, goodbye.
0: Like, Unless you've tried three times and you're out. <laughs> yes. That's, that's your rule. I case.
1: set a calendar reminder and I follow up again. And QVC is an example of I followed up five times. Wow. I got five, four no's From before. different
0: people or the same individual? The same the same individual
1: you're out of your mind or go back five times well I came that's why I came back to Shark Tank (laughs) (laughs) I just am like it's a no it's a no for right now like Mm. things change businesses change needs change Mm. so just because we're not a fit right now doesn't mean we're not going to be a fit in six months or 12 months and so I just send regular regular updates for example I just sent a bunch of emails, um, updating some retailers who had said no to us mm-hmm. in the past being like, Hey, we just aired on shark tank. Here's a link to our episode. Here's how the business is doing. Let me know if you're interested in talking.
0: Makes sense. So Sarah, just following let, up. Let me just ask you, if you're uh, getting a no after no after no, it doesn't seem to bother you. What are you afraid of? You're not afraid of rejection. That is the number one thing that entrepreneurs are afraid of when they're naive in the business. They're afraid of getting a lot of rejection. It doesn't feel good. Uh, but you don't seem to mind that. What are you afraid of? What bugs the crap out of you trying to build your business? there has got to be areas. Please don't tell me you're perfect.
1: No, there no. are definitely areas that I fear. And Like what? The, what are you most afraid of? It's not going to happen by naming. I'm just curious. Yeah, the thing I'm most afraid of, being really honest, is just not reaching our potential. Uh ah, like that's my to be afraid of. That's my biggest fear is that we're not going to reach our potential. And I don't know if you've ever read the book Shoe Dog.
0: No, by, I haven't
1: it's the biography of um autobiography of phil knight the uh-huh. founder of nike
0: and oh i've met him actually really, really? i didn't know he wrote a book That's yeah great. it is
1: so good A mm-hmm. great book for any aspiring entrepreneur it's mm. fantastic it's great name Shudo yeah Love it's it. so good and mm-hmm. he writes all about the whole journey of starting nike and he said something that i very much feel which is it's when he was starting nike he's like i would rather start this business and fail miserably in seven months, Mm -hmm. then start it and just like slog along for five years and waste Mm -hmm. my time. And then have it never become the big business that I want it to be. Mm -hmm. I'd rather just fail really fast. And then I can start something new, take those learnings and put it into a new new business. Mm -hmm. And I remember listening to that and that really encouraged me to quit my job and go all in on Curie. Cause at the time it was a kind of a side hustle. I and I was like, I just should go for it. And mm-hmm. you know, at least just try my hardest and see mm-hmm. what happens. And so I think that still is like a, a big fear of mine. Cause I have such big ambitions mm-hmm.
0: for and the feel brand like a failure. If you didn't reach your full potential. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. I And I have such grand ambitions for the brand mm-hmm. that I, my greatest fear is in three, four, five years from now Mm -hmm. being like, darn, I wasted all that time and we're not, we're still not
0: there. Got it. And what's your ambition for the club you started? You help other people or you collaborate with other entrepreneurs? Tell me a-
1: Yeah, it's not, it's not a formal club. It's Mm -hmm. networking has been something that's really helped my career even back You know, that's how I got into venture capital in the first place. It was just to have network. Is Shark
0: Tank entrepreneurs you're helping or?
1: Yeah. So this is um, a a lot of Shark Tank companies, but I have just a lot of entrepreneurs in my network that Mm -hmm. I've
0: found on Twitter. But you Um, reach out to them and say, hey, you want to join this group? We help each other. Yeah. Is that the objective to help each other? Yeah, that's really the
1: objective. I mean, it's again, it's not a formal group, it's not a club. They're not joining anything. It's become this. It started Just with emails back and me, forth. It started with me meeting a couple companies, mm-hmm. um, a couple entrepreneurs, and then mm-hmm. they'd introduce me to someone else. And mm-hmm. then now I have this network, and we communicate on text message, mainly texting, sometimes some emails, um, and we share everything. And it's a lot of the, a lot of the companies um, it's, it is a lot of Shark Tank companies like the, you know, Doe, which was a Shark oh, Tank company, Poppy, um, a lot of Shark Tank companies and a lot of companies that have sole soul founders, mm-hmm. specifically sole female founders, mm-hmm. because we kind of find that, that voice, like that shoulder to to lean on so that it's a we support don't have. It's well. a support group for How sure. valuable. It's right. really, really valuable because you can be—we're super vulnerable and honest with each other. You don't have to be like, "Yep, everything's going great, uh-huh. all is well." As you know? burst out in
0: tears. Yeah, you can.
1: It's the people you can call and be like, "Oh my god, like our deodorant arrived today, and it—you yeah. know—the caps don't fit. Like, what are we
0: gonna do?" Can you, when you talking with those individuals? Uh, spot who's gonna be successful and who's less apt to be successful because of their manner or their way of dealing with. Uh, something that goes wrong because I find that's very helpful to me when I watch my entrepreneurs from Shark Tank Mm -hmm. when something goes wrong I watch whether they play victim or not and I find that the people who play victim generally never succeed I mean not unequivocally true or whatever that word is positively true but mostly true I would say it's a sure shot of Signal for me to spend my time or not. You don't yeah. find that to be. They have some victims and whiners and complainers, and you're wondering if they'll really make it, or is that a safe forum? You could do that. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't reflect poorly on yourself.
1: I'm just trying to think. I'm. I i can not think of anyone that's in my ne- close network of entrepreneur friends that are whiny that is whiny and plays uh, the victim. And I think it's me selecting. You know, I I want to bring people into my into my orbit that yes. are going to be positive and that are going to be, you know, like-minded in the way we deal with
0: adversity. My first impression of your product, not yourself, was that I thought, boy, that packaging is great. And I believe the packaging is maybe as important, if not more important than what's inside. But do you design that yourself? You choose the colors, the typeface, the language is that an extension of your hand or do you have someone else who does it on the outside or what we
1: now have a designer so i i'm worried i were you the one who did all the early stuff i did the all the early mm-hmm. packaging you don't see that anymore we totally rebranded i'm not a designer so
0: our original packaging was like the original was great i think this is great i thought it was all you from start to finish nope this is
1: we have a fantastic designer that's been with us for two and a half years now she does everything from our packaging to our website she's Mm. essentially our creative director she does a lot of the She's just super thoughtful and thinking Mm. about color and how we're going to extend things and where we're going to put certain copy on Mm. the on the bottles. But it is a collaboration between her and I. I am very involved in all the design and the colors. And because scent is so important to the brand, I always compare us sometimes to, you know, um, Bath and Body Works.
0: Mm. You know how you walk. I think you do a better job executing. I really do. So do
1: I. And our products are better. But you know how you walk into (laughs) a bath in Body Works and you're just overwhelmed with this color and scent? You want to be there. And you draw them together? That's what we wanted with the packaging, was like to bring it
0: alive with Mm -hmm. the colors and the the imagery that we use. Will you do shampoo and rinses, because that's what I have in all my outdoor showers from Body Works. Will you be going into that space? It's not on the horizon. Well, don't but... don't take don't take the I don't I don't believe in too many products. Too fast. I was just gonna say absolutely. You to said, control that. You said here. on the show.
1: To, so my to focus. last question is
0: about your parents. What do they say? Are they proud of you? Oh my gosh, they're so proud of me. What do they yes. say? What do they brag to the neighbors about?
1: Uh, I mean, my mom could not be more proud. Uh, She is like probably the proudest parent in the world. Um, Both my parents are. They both got to come to our Shark Tank watch party that we held in Ah, LA. And they were just on cloud nine. And my sister works for me. So my sister was my first employee and she's still with us. She's our head of customer support. Very Mm -hmm. important role, especially after Shark Tank. And Mm -hmm. so they're extremely proud, not only of me, but having their daughters thrive and work together. So well, kidding, everyone, every mom's dream. So, so happy. Um, so my parents are very proud, but I'm trying to think of what they probably say to their friends. I think my mom's just always shocked because she doesn't come from a family of
0: entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs.
1: She comes from a very, you know, uh, middle-class Massachusetts, someone who wanted um, her
0: daughter to be an accountant.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why it's would you ever leave them. accounting? It's so solid. Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? Starting a company. And now she's like, Sarah's on Shark Tank. Sarah's on QVC. Can you believe this? So she's. My parents are both in proud. Look at gone. me now. Good for yes. you.
0: Yeah, I'm very proud of your success. Thank you so thank much. You. Thanks a lot for being here. Thank you, you for
1: having me, and thank you for working with me. I'm, oh, I'm so kidding. excited. On, I can't wait to
0: see what's next. <laughs> Dream come true. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual Hotline eight 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 Barbara. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.